Hey, TRB fans, for the absolute best in Star Wars accessories and jewelry, head to jewelrybrands.shop. They have items spanning the entire Star Wars franchise from the Skywalker saga through the Mandalorian and beyond. I'm wearing a Grogu pin right now, and I absolutely love it. They also have other franchises like Marvel and DC, but you're a Star Wars fan, so get your Star Wars stuff. Head to jewelrybrands.shop. Make sure you use promo code TRB at checkout for 10% off your order, and may the Force be with you. After Valentine's Day, here from the Resistance Broadcast, whether you celebrated Valentine's Day or not, Star Wars loves you. And just remember that. And so do we here at TRB. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. It's a different kind of Monday. We're doing a Thursday-style show, but bringing it to Monday. So if you're listening or watching, this is the right show. It is Monday. It is February 15th. Uh, welcome to TRB. I'm John. That's James. That's Lacey. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a five year plus look back on the movie that put Star Wars back on the map, The Force Awakens. So we're going to have a fun time talking about that. How's it going, guys? How are you? Happy, uh, happy Monday, happy middle of February as winter trudges on. I'm good. Winter is trudging on though. Like we're getting hit so hard with snow. Like it's like, I can't shovel the walk. Because there's compounded snow underneath the snow. So all I'm doing to shovel is just moving one layer of snow off to walk on hardened snow. It's not fun. Yeah. Hey, we've been getting hit in the heart here, too. Yeah. And Probably worse. We're supposed to get more this week, like every day this week. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't affect me because I don't shovel. Hooray. Um, but I'm super excited to talk about The Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. Because as yeah. you guys know, one of my faves. So yeah. when John pitched this topic, I was like, yeah, sure. Like playing it all cool. But I was like, yes, of course I do. <laughs> so Yeah, it's just it's yeah, it's one of those things that I feel like I, I thought about it today. I thought about the movie today and more so um, the year leading up to it. And I was like, it does feel long enough now where we can like look back on it as one of those period moments in Star Wars. It's not mm-hmm. as fresh now mm-hmm. that that trilogy's done. That movie's been out for half a decade now. It'd be interesting to look back and and remember, bring up what we remember from the whole year leading up to it, the movie itself, all that stuff. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, but first, uh, real quick, just want to say, uh, if you like coffee and you like supporting small businesses, go to weirdbrothers.com. And look up The Resistance Brew. That is a coffee we made together with Weird Brothers. So if you pick up a bag online, you're supporting us, small podcast, them, small business, and you get some delicious coffee. So go check them out. Uh, James, we have this segment we like to call what? One with the Force. We haven't done this in a while. The Force is with me. And I'm one with the Force. is with me john is excited uh about one with the force this week um i know that for a fact uh no uh here's what we're gonna be doing um it, it's been a while since we've done one with the force so you might be new it's been to a it, while but uh, been... oh. i'm gonna read a scenario and each of us are gonna have the opportunity to give one answer not an in-between, not, I'm kind of torn between. It's just one answer. That's all you get. You'll get the idea as we move into the first question here. It's, let's assume Lucasfilm decides to recast Cardoon. Name one actress that you'd pick to play her. Lacey, you're going first. Who's your one actress? Michelle Rodriguez from Fast and the Furious. Mm. I don't think they necessarily look alike. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But I am not in... My feeling is if you find an actress or actor, I know they're all actors now. If you find an actor that um, 
will fit the bill, but might not look like the person. I'm okay with that. I'm all over quality over looking like exactly like the person and a makeup does wonders wigs and stuff. I just think that she's been really awesome in fast and the furious and every other movie she's ever been in. She plays that like tough role, uh, you know, tough guy, like snarky role. So I feel like she'd play it probably better than Gina did at moments in season two, season one, she was great. Mm -hmm. Um, John, what do you think? Who's, who's your one person to cast? Um, if I didn't have to pick one, I would say an, an unknown. I think that'd probably be the best move, but mm. I'm going to play along with the game and say, uh, Evangeline Lilly from Lost. Wait, and- you made a face at my pick what? and you picked Evangeline Lilly. Well, she's the oh. wasp. She's the wasp. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've been, Michelle Rodriguez hasn't been in a movie in like 15 years. What are we talking about here? She's going to be in the Fast and Furious stuff. Yeah, she's going to space. And what, like flashbacks? She's dead, right? No. No. They brought her back like in five. Isn't <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez like 66 years old? Yeah. No. Yep, that, that's correct. You're thinking of the right person. <laughs> By the way, really quick, I didn't answer the obvious answer, which everyone's been pitching, which I love, which is Lucy Lawless. Lucy Lawless, I know, yeah. I know everyone's been pitching her, so I don't want right. people listening being like, well, why didn't you pick that? I would have picked that, but right. I just didn't want to go with the obvious one that everybody's saying. Okay. Michelle Rodriguez is a good pick for like 2001, I think. But Oh, my God. <laughs> How much money did Ant-Man make compared to the Fast and the Furious franchise? Oh, because they were like, I got to go see that Michelle Rodriguez movie. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez could take Evangeline Lilly, no problem. I don't think so. Especially not if she's in her wasp gear. Forget about it. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, James. What's your pick? Uh, it was going to be Lucy Lawless because you guys weren't saying it. Oh, you can say that. Go ahead. You say can say it, that. I ahead. agree with it. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, th- there isn't anything more to it. I, I, This concept didn't even occur to me until I ran across it on you know, Twitter or whatever. So mm-hmm, somebody mm-hmm. retweeted or something. And, uh, and I just looked at the two images next to each other, and I said, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's perfect. I mean, she has a history of this, these kinds of roles. She looks like the character. Mm-hmm. She obviously, as far as I know, has no drama or anything going on. Um, and it seems like she's been in a lot of good series, so she's... Um, I don't know. Reliable, I guess, is a, is a weird way to say. But like, yeah, yeah she's been She'd around be for awesome a long in time. Star Wars. Yeah. So I, I was like, I don't, I don't see why this wouldn't be a uh, a good recasting. Um, not that I know if they are or not, but in this scenario, we're gonna say they are gonna recast. Um, that's that that makes the most sense in in my opinion more than anybody else. Although I I think mm-hmm. the whole thing is weird, like the recasting thing. But mm-hmm. you know, we'll get into that. Um, mm-hmm. moving on to the next question though, uh, name one human character besides Ray that if you could, you would guarantee they are in an eventual episode 10. So John, you're starting us with this one. You get one human character that can show up in episode 10. Hmm. I'm going to say, uh, Finn, mm-hmm. because I want to see Jedi Finn finally fulfilled. And I think uh, with some time passing, wounds healed, John Boyega would come back and do some Jedi things. And him and Ray would be a cool, like, pair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Lacey, what, what's your pick? I know I'm her sticking pick. With, I'm sticking with what I've been saying for, like, <laughs> I'm not, I am a creature of habit, friends. I stick to the same things. I don't really change my mind. Taylor Gray, Ezra Bridger. That's who I would have show up. Oh, wow. So you would age up Taylor Gray? Oh, I guess it is a really different time, isn't it? I'm thinking Taylor Gray now in Mandalorian time. So Ezra Bridger later, I'd be open to whoever. You need like a 50-year-old Ezra. Ezra. Maybe, you know what? Maybe they do (laughs) episode 10 later and Taylor Gray can play Ezra Bridger. What if it was Hugh Jackman as Ezra Bridger? I like Hugh Jackman. I love Hugh Jackman, but it'd just be funny seeing Wolverine as Ezra. <laughs> that is funny. Even he still has the claws too. Like they don't take him out. So he's like, hey. He's like, hey, mate. Yes, I think Ezra's going to have some molten chops. All right, mate. Like, Ray's what? just like, what? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, James. Man, this is tough because I honestly took the question as characters that were in the movies. Um, so that's why my answer is going to be Poe. Um, mm. But Big guy. yeah, but you you throwing out Ezra now, I'm like, oh shoot, well, that's probably my real answer. <laughs> but you can say that too. But 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 I'll say Poe because um, to me, I I I love the idea of I I think I got into him because I read the comics. And because I was reading the comics that led up to Last Jedi and stuff, I I felt like mm-hmm. I was more uh, invested in his like journey and all that. Um, and then I got really bummed when they basically told the they gave him the arc in Last Jedi that they already gave him in the the comics, and I was like, oh, well, that yeah. kind of sucks. And then when people said he didn't even do anything in the movie or whatever, and I was like, well, <laughs> then I found myself like arguing. Like I was like, he had this big arc. <laughs> like we, we've seen it twice, but like it's been defined as a definite change in a person's motivation and stuff. Um, and then I don't know, like in uh, Rise of Skywalker, he eventually, it, it's kind of like um, Darth Vader in... Uh, Revenge of the Sith. Like, I think he eventually became what we wanted to see in that movie. But I think we all went into Rise of Skywalker kind of thinking he was already going to be on top, leading everybody. Um, and he he really only had, like, the last little bit to do that. So I think it would be great to, in Episode 10, revisit him and where he's at, um, you know, as the top, the tippy top, uh, potentially now higher in um, the more open government as well, too. Because the resistance so you want is kind of. Oscar kinda... to have a new house. Yeah, I do. Yeah, two two, two houses maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. Um, you can take and keep any lightsaber in the history of Star Wars franchise. Uh, whose saber do you take? And keep in mind, you don't have to return it because in this situation, that lightsaber, it calls to you. So it's now yours. Why did you add that part? You don't have to return it. Isn't that kind of assumed from the question? Well, yes. because like people, like there's this whole like uh, possessive nature of lightsabers now where if mm. we just answer this, someone in the comments would be like, well, you know, people have to make their own lightsaber. And, you know, I'm just like, let's just put it. Let me whoa, just add text whoa. to the question. You don't have to return it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. 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 Um, Lacey, you're first on this. What do you think? John, what do you think I'm, I'm going to say? The Ray yellow stupid nope. lightsaber. Uh, yeah, I Anakin Luke Ray's blue lightsaber. Mm. I think the idea that so many people have, you know, fought with that and held on to it for a period of time, it would just the amount of history that goes with it. I would dig it back up. So if I could have one human character in Episode Ten, it would be Lacey, <laughs> and she's the one who. Takes on the mantle, takes the lightsaber. Oh, I was like, wait, what? How? <laughs> it is me. Spoiler alert, I'm involved. <laughs> um, yep, that's that's a good answer. Uh John, what what would be your lightsaber of choice? Probably Obi-Wan Kenobi's from A New Hope era. Uh, because I like Luke's lightsaber, but Obi-Wan has the same exact lightsaber, just with the black all around the handle. Um, and I don't know if I'd switch out the blade with green. Or stick with his blue, but Obi-Wan's saber is... Oh, you can change the, the color now? I just Sounds decided pimping that. out his uh, yeah. lightsaber. He's like, I'm going to add yeah. some LED lighting on the bottom. I love it. James is bringing out the lightsaber book to see. Oh, is it the same? No, I'm trying to remember. Little what? does James know that I know everything about props, and I know that they use the exact same prop and repainted it and repurposed it for Luke's lightsaber That's in not what six. I'm doing, John. John thinks he knows. Um, no, actually, my my thing was, was is <laughs> uh, deciding between a couple of them. I just wanted to take another look at it. I think, I think I'm gonna go with Obi Wan Kenobi's butt from Phantom Menace. Oh, mm. yeah. I you know I was watching Phantom Menace the other day and I saw that lightsaber and I was like. Or maybe it was Qui-Gon's. One of them has a real funky one with the black, like, shing, 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 like, detail on it, the mm-hmm. grip. The what? I bet it's I bet it's Qui-Gon's. So, 
There, there are it. three that <laughs> I went through and I looked at, and I was like, if I was making a lightsaber, I would want it to ideally kind of look like this. Like I think as far as like me holding it and feel comfortable with it, and it was mm-hmm. uh, Obi Wan's, Qui Gon's, and Depa Balaba's. And I think out of those three, I'd probably go Obi Wan's original. But I would want a purple, if that's possible. John Johnson, John's changing the colors. How dare you guys change lightsaber <sighs> colors? How dare you? I mean, people do it all the time. um although they don't really change the colors of the actual saber themselves they actually uh bleed the crystals (laughs) yeah you're focusing crystal Mm -hmm. and all right uh, you got your crystal then you're focusing crystal (laughs) um all right last one up on one with the force this week is let's pretend that you found an old time machine that has three (laughs) buttons in it Hot's having real fun this week. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. so. <laughs> the three buttons will take you to three specific time and places in um, space time. Uh, they are the set of Star Wars in 1976, the set of The Phantom Menace in 1997, or uh, The Force Awakens in 2014. So which one do you choose? John, you're going first. I actually think I would visit the Phantom Menace set. All right. And I didn't, I, I actually surprised myself with that because I would always think I would want to go check out a time before I existed for time travel. But being on the set for the Phantom Menace just uh, would be so interesting because I feel like it's like the center hub connecting all the trilogies. So you still have George, but you have like a lot of the new people who are now still working on it today. And the the sets they actually did build for the Phantom Menace are pretty awesome, and I think it'd be cool seeing like that era being filmed. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Phantom Menace. All right, Lacey, which what are you picking? I'm gonna go with The Force Awakens. All right, <laughs> because it's one of my favorite movies, and it would be super fun. And um, the technology that they had in 2014. I feel is more significant than the technology in the other two periods. And I would like to see what they did now compared to back then, mm-hmm. especially like BB eight up close and stuff. It's just like, would be wild. Yeah. Nice. I, I have a hard time picking between two of them. And the one that I don't, that I wouldn't go to is the force Awakens. <laughs> That's fine. I think the, I think the reason I wouldn't go force awakens is because the other two have a very, a very specific like oh they don't even know you know kind of feel to it and <laughs> what, do you, what wait what what do you mean <laughs> i'll get there in a second and it, when they were doing force awakens they knew they knew they knew exactly that this was a big deal right um the reason the other two are are they didn't even know is because obviously nobody knew what Star Wars was going to be when they were filming the original one. And the reason that I'd go to the Phantom Menace, and that's actually probably the one I would choose. I'm with John. Uh, so we'll hang out together. Um, it is because Fun and the lame one. I, I, I don't think they knew how much like backlash it was going to get. <laughs> You know, so I'm, I would sit there and I'd watch it and they're like, I would just be fascinated at watching them be like, oh, let's have, you know, these characters say these lines and stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, I just think I would get such a big, so basically you want to go back to the Phantom Menace for the drama of being like, I know what's about to happen. I don't know that it's, I mean, that would, it's the same (laughs) drama as like anytime when you get like go back and you're like, oh, people don't even know how big of an event this is going to be. And I'm seeing it when it's, when just, it's just people, you know, or whatever. But Mm. like in this particular case, they were like, this is going to be the best thing ever. And it's kind of like, yeah, I would like, I like, I would love to see the mistakes (laughs) being made and kind of like how it all just kind of came together. I think that would be so fascinating. Although the real truth is we would get there and then someone would be like, hey, who are you? And then we'd just be outside. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine if when they were filming it, like Ahmed Best was so cocky and arrogant because Mm -hmm. they thought they created like the greatest character ever. And he's just like finishing a take of stepping in Bantha crap. And he's like, yeah, I nailed that. 
He's got like yeah. assistants handing him drinks, and he's just like has a robe like and stuff. That's so much more fun than looking at like Carrie and Mark being like, "Oh, this isn't going to be anything." It's like, yeah, I think that's how most people kind of assumed it would be. But like, they're like going to Phantom Menace. I think that would just be a blast. They're like, "You're the new Chewbacca. All the kids and everyone's going to love you. This is going to be amazing. You're going to be a superstar." He's like, "Yeah, yeah." Or like um, looking at Anakin and uh, Padme as they're delivering their lines back and forth. And they're like, got it. One take. That was it. <laughs> and it's like. Yeah. And then you're like, maybe you should do a I know, couple it's like, more. Oh, I think the lighting was off, guys. Maybe you should try one more. <laughs> like, like trying to whisper <laughs> in people's ears. So, I don't oh, think I would want to change it. but No. Yeah. Um, that is it for one with the force. That was a good one. A uh, good one to end on. Um, Lacey, what do we got, uh, this week for pod races? All right, guys, it's time for the Patreon pod race. So there are lots of different ways you can support us. Like liking this video, commenting, subscribing, following on all our audio platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at R-B-A-T-S-W-N-N or on Instagram at The Resistance Broadcast. But if you want more access and more content from us and to support the show a little bit more, you can head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Starting at $2 a month, you get access to all different kinds of content throughout the week, um, each week. And as you go up in the ranks, you get mailings and Discord server access and much more. Our top tier, our generals, get a chance to be a part of the show, and this is their segment. So before we get started with it, I just want to thank our Patreon generals. <sighs> Taking a breath here. Thank you, Carmelo, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Neil Shaw, David Probus, John Reese, Micah Harrison, Jetta Rosewater. <laughs> oh my God. Jetta <laughs> Rosewater, Michael Gaines. Beer Fett Bethany, Russ Harbison, Kendall Gelnar, Paul Olson, Jake Houchins, Jeff Connery, Oliver Lewis, Dave Hornack, Frank Grande. Every time I see his name, I'm just like, Ariana Grande's the best. Uh, and Val Trichkoff. Jetta, I'm sorry. You're now in the club of Lacey messed up your name. So you're welcome. Uh, this week, we have General Jeremy up. We asked him a question and he gives us his answer and then we discuss it. So the question was, John Williams recently turned 89. Happy birthday, John Williams, if you're listening hey. to this. Um, what piece of Star Wars music would you showcase as his most impressive iconic track for the franchise and why? Jeremy, take it away. Hey, what's up, guys? For me, my favorite John Williams score is the uh, Imperial March. Um, it's just badass, and I think it... It's amazing, but doesn't work to carry across the franchise because Vader was only in it um, for a certain amount of time. And the Star Wars theme is too obvious. Um, so for me, it's the Jar Jar theme. Just kidding. Uh, for me, it comes down to uh, the Duel of the Fates or the finale. And uh, it's, it's a hard toss-up because I think uh, both are impactful and powerful in how they come across and when they come across. Uh, but the one that uh, that I go with the most is uh, the finale, just because it mixes in throughout the movies. It mixes in throughout the book, the audiobooks, uh, even into the cartoon series, they bring it in. I just love it. So hope you're all well. General Jeremy out. Nice job, Jeremy. Love your pop collection. Uh, James, what did you think of his answer? Pretty strong answer, honestly. Um, I don't know if I I think I, I'm I think I'm with you. For some reason, like as much as the the main theme and, and uh the the sunsets and stuff, when I the think of theme. Yeah, when <laughs> I think of like a song from the original Star Wars that like always sticks out to me that you know it is that uh that finale um and and uh there's something about just the way it moves into the last song and everything and I I don't know I think that's a really good answer although I think uh you're hard pressed to go up against like what you were saying like the imperial theme and stuff but you got to have something that kind of was like all the movies and um and that one you know carries over to all all the sequels and everything so yeah that's a good answer thanks thank you so much 
John main theme. Hoey, what'd you think? <laughs> um, interesting, interesting approach there, Jeremy. Um, you had me at Jar Jar theme. You had me. You had me there. <laughs> um, love the red makes solo two happen shirt. Thanks for repping that and spreading the word, man. Um, yeah, it's hard to argue with the force theme. Um, I the end of A New Hope is one of my favorite versions. That throne room finale. Um, absolutely love it. And like you said, they intertwine that intertwine that throughout the entire saga. So it is very important and they use it in different ways so it doesn't get stale. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with your choice there. And, you know, it's with John Williams, you can't really have a wrong answer. Uh, but he picked, uh, he definitely picked a good one there. So hope you're well, man. Stay safe. Uh, and uh, hope everything's going well with the business and all that. And thanks for being a general and being an awesome fan. Uh, John out. Jeremy, great answer. Although I think you had it right the first time with Duel of Fates. That song is just so good. And every time I hear it, I'm just like, yes, it's just so good. It's one of those hype songs, like compared to you know, the beautiful mm-hmm. ballads and melodies that he writes. It's just one of those songs that you're like, oh, it's about to go down when it yeah. starts playing. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. We hope you are well. Um, and now we're going to go to John to discuss probably one of my favorite discussions ever. John? Obi-Wan once thought as you do. Five years ago, The Force Awakens was wrapping up its theatrical run with about a month or so to go. Uh, So there it is. The Force Awakens, it's now been a part of Star Wars for over five years. Uh, That isn't a terribly long time, but enough for us to look back on 2015 and the year that put Star Wars back on the map in a big way with the lead-up and release of Episode 7 in the Skywalker Saga. So from the teaser trailers to the toys to the film itself, the hype, the promotion, all the actors promoting that thing throughout that whole year and beyond, let's look back on The Force Awakens. Um, So I'm going to start things off by um, a memory of mine, which was uh, Black Friday 2014, Um, The announcement that the new teaser for episode seven was out. And I remember sitting on my bed on my laptop and hitting play and making sure I had no distractions and just like watching the fade in of the sand. And then all of a sudden this guy's head pops up and he's sweating and I'm like, what is going on? And then I remember when I saw the the Millennium Falcon uh, with the, the main Star Wars theme. I got like hit like like a brick to the chest because I'm thinking it's Han and Chewie in there and all that stuff. And it made me really think like, wow, we're actually going to see these characters again. And I can't believe it. So that like it kicked off everything. But to me, there's always those moments in your life that you remember as those yesterday. And that was definitely one of those moments for me. So I'll start there just from the promo standpoint. Um, let me throw it to uh, Lacey since this is your favorite Star Wars movie or Tide, right? It's, it's up there. It's with um, Return of the Jedi, which most people would be like, so you like the happy ones. Yes, happy, I do. Yeah. Right. So um, <laughs> what what is, like, looking back, what's the first thing that pops in your mind when you say, let me look back on The Force Awakens? Um, Being at Anaheim, uh, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim in 2015, and just the excitement in the air of being a Star Wars fan surrounded by Star Wars fans with the idea that Star Wars was back. Like, you we all just thought we were never going to get a movie again. Like that's insane. And then we get to 2015 and the hype is just building and building. And I had never been to a celebration before. It was my first one. Um, And just being in the room when they had that panel for the force awakens. And when they played that teaser for the first time, nothing will ever compete with that for me because people were like openly weeping. At the end of that, no, that was the Han Solo one. That uh, uh-huh. che- Chewie were home. Right? Chewie were home. Yeah. So like the when the teaser played, it was you see Ray with her speeder going across the desert, and you see the Imperial ship, and everybody kind of gasped. And then you saw Darth Vader's helmet, and it was funny because everybody was like, kind of like being like, "Oh my gosh!" Ah, and people were just shushing. They were like, "Shut up!" Like <laughs> they wanted to get every detail <laughs> of the trailer. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. At the end, when you same thing, John, when you saw the Millennium Falcon flying with the main theme and everything, you were like, "Oh my gosh, Star Wars is back!" And people were just openly yelling. I yeah. remember. Like, I don't remember the action of doing it, but I remember when the teaser was over, I was next to my friend, uh, Dave at the time. I was just yelling. 
I was just screaming because I couldn't control the fact that I had just seen Han Solo and Chewie on screen again. Um, and the way they cut it, obviously they cut it right after that, like flip move she does that you're like, oh my gosh, it's Han again. And it's not, but that's fine. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, no, when the lights came up, they let the, the audience sit with it for about 15, 20 seconds before they played it a second time. And I remember turning around cause I was doing social at the time. So I was filming the room, which I still have the recording. It's like one of those, like my favorite things to go back and rewatch people were on their feet, cheering, screaming, <laughs> you see grown men crying, like people hugging. It was this pure excitement. Everyone was on the same page of excitement and love and just pure hope of Star Wars is back for us and we can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. And I think that that kind of sweet summer child energy of like not knowing what eventually was coming down the road of people having different feelings about things, but it's kind of like the feeling we all got from the Mandalorian recently. It's like everyone was so excited for this thing to come back. It didn't matter what type of fan you are or what you really loved. If you like the prequels or the original or whatever, everyone was so, so excited. And I think that's probably one of the reasons it plays into my love for the force awakens, because I just have such a positive experience with it from that to seeing it in the movie theater and seeing Ray grab the lightsaber for the first time, which like changed my life in a way, because I'd never seen that as a star Wars fan, you know, a woman grabbing a lightsaber like that and being the hero and the Jedi. Um, But also ultimately it changed my life because it led me to you guys and led me here. So it's just kind of nuts that, that movie has led me on this course <laughs> of awesomeness. Yeah, absolutely. Well put. Um, James, you're uh, what, when you thought about this, when you saw the topic, what, what stood out to you looking back five years ago for you? Um, well, I hate to copy what you guys are saying, but the trailers. Um, yeah. I think what, what's interesting to me about the trailers is that I, if I try to remember where I was for other Star Wars trailers, I can maybe put together some of them, but I know where I was for all three of these. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, me cause too. Because uh, uh, the first one was the Black Friday one, and I was working retail, Guitar Center, and it was Black Friday, and it was crazy. But like me and a friend, we were just like, hey, let's go over to my house. We can watch that Star Wars thing. We'll grab a sandwich, and then we'll be able to come back. And I remember like watching it in his kitchen, like on his like family computer or whatever, just sitting like right in front of the screen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one, coincidentally, was uh, also at Guitar Center. I like took a break and I went into the break room and I was like leaning up against the wall and watching it on my phone because like I, I know it seems weird to say, but like I I don't think I was still there like that, that this was going to be like huge, like or, like a big deal. I was excited for it, but it was the same as watching a movie trailer for like Avengers mm-hmm. or something. I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch mm-hmm. this on my phone. And like I watched it one time and I went into like the office to talk to one of my coworkers and who like doesn't know anything about Star Wars. I'm like, OK, I just got to talk to you about this. <laughs> I was like, it was incredible. Um, which to this day, I still think that's the best trailer they've ever cut. Um, and I think the reason that is, is not from a actual artistic point of view. I think fully it's the hype and the excitement that is just washing over, you know, any imperfections mm-hmm. of that trailer. Um, I think that just being so excited for the movie and then seeing like a, even a decently put together trailer just makes you go like, this is the best trailer I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think, um, and I've said this before on the podcast, but there was the, there was a meme that was going around with Shia LaBeouf where he was like, where he was like having reactions to like his thing his own stuff yeah and i saw one one time that was like it had four different emotions and they put in somebody put in clips of the original force awakens trailer and like obviously ending with like han and chewie and stuff and i was like no this trailer is better than that and i put in four screenshots of the very first scene that they show because you go through different emotions. You're like, okay, cool. You know, what is this? And then you're like, what am I looking at? And then you're like, because oh, you realize it's a Star Destroyer in the background. Mm-hmm. And then you're mm-hmm. like, 
what does that mean? <laughs> like yeah. you, you go through like four stages of reaction just in one shot. It's like, that's how, I don't know. And that speaks to a lot with the movie too. Like it isn't just that one shot. There was so much in that movie. And Lacey, this, you might take over again here is the setup of like, what that is crazy what we just saw and then processing it and going but what does that mean now Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and i think that is ultimately going to be the legacy that force awakens has is that um jj abrams is really good at setting things up (laughs) yeah right he's good at the mystery box i think with the the trailers too like you said james it was the idea that we were seeing all these people on screen that we knew, obviously, Han, Chewie, whatever. And we were hearing Luke at times and we saw Leia's hand. But when we saw Kylo Ren with the first time and he opens up that lightsaber, people flipped out when he showed he had the cross guard. People mm-hmm. were like, what yeah. is that? And I feel like, you know, the excitement of, is that Luke Skywalker? Did he turn to the dark side? I remember that was like the crazy theory. I was like, yep. what? No, never. Uh, but the, like James said, like once you finally saw the movie, the excitement of what comes next, what, how, how, what can be better than this? Like you've shown me an amazing movie that I loved every second of it. How can this get better and what's going to happen? Because there were so many, like James said, questions that JJ puts in that movie. When you go back even now and you're like, okay, this was kind of answered, but it kind of wasn't. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in that movie that don't that doesn't necessarily tie everything together by the end. Um, but that year, bef- the couple years before uh, The Last Jedi, there was a lot of like, is she Kenobi's granddaughter? Is this what's going to happen here? Wh- you know, wh- what does this mean for Luke Skywalker? And that to me is part of the fun of being a Star Wars fan, of taking what they've given you and being like, okay, what does this mean? And yeah. how can I make sense of this in a way that if I get it right, I'm gonna feel really good about myself. And, you know, obviously The Last Jedi was completely different than anything we had seen before, but that The Force Awakens created a whole new generation of fans with the same imagination and excitement and creativity that people had from a new hope so many years ago um and that's part of the reason why i like it so much it's just so so great and it it touches and i understand people have their critiques of it of oh it's too much like a new hope i feel like it it perfectly touches on nostalgia while also giving you something new to think about and predict what comes next which i yeah i'll, I'll throw in there too just that that thing about the new hope thing is don't forget that okay Maybe this is the fault of someone higher up, but I, I really feel like Disney came in and they said, you have two things to do. You, you need to start a new journey and you also need to reboot Star Wars. It needs to be very similar to A New Hope. And I think- And then that, JJ, they were like, you need to finish this up and wrap up Star Wars. <laughs> JJ's yeah. like, what? Yeah, <laughs> but but I think that it, when, when, when given that task um, of it's got to do these two things, it's amazing that it wasn't more like a new hope. And I think that he did a really good job of, of being like, Oh, I did exactly what you asked for. I leaned this way though, you know? And, uh, I, I, I put in those things that really are going to be familiar and really going to tie you back. And it's a, a similar type of a story, but, um, I, I don't think, uh, he like, leaned so heavily on nostalgia that it was basically like a remake. Well, what, you know, in his interviews about the writing process, whatever they took from Michael Arndt was some loose framework and maybe exposition sort of thing mm-hmm. um, and stuff they had in place for what type of characters they wanted. But then he basically said like him and Lawrence Kasdan, when he came on board, um, just kind of reset and they would go on like walks together and just like make decisions on what makes uh, what makes us feel good what makes us feel good and they kept like using that theme like what makes it what would make this scene better and like what what makes us feel good about this scene if we don't if we're not 
pulling ourselves towards it. Let's get rid of it. And they kept sort of doing that. And they would have, they would just like go on these walks and have these conversations where there was no like directive, like, all right, this is the scene. We need to write this scene. It was just kind of like they let things come to them. And I mean, who better than Lawrence Kasdan and JJ who creates that setup and the mystery box thing, but also having Lawrence Kasdan who like just has his finger on the pulse of how to write these characters and how to write Star Wars. And it was just like this perfect marriage of how to create this Mm -hmm. awesomeness of a story for The Force Awakens. Um, So, I I mean, you know, I don't want to dive into the other two movies, but it would have been cooler if Kasdan at least stuck around, did a little more work on them. But um, I remember 2015 just being a feel good and, and thereafter like because because what happened with the last jedi what is really what fractured people um regardless of how you feel about that movie so the 2015 right, rogue one everyone came was right after the force awakens right and people are still riding that high not that it's not a good movie i love rogue one it's amazing but people yeah. were riding the yeah high rogue of... one was not divisive yeah right. so it yeah. was still like one and, of those and... things where I might look at that a little bit differently. I, I might look like Rogue One was mm. great as well. It it wasn't so much um, that they were riding the high Force Awakens, but they were riding. That I think high. casual that fans good. went right, but I think casual fans went into the Rogue One after they loved the Force Awakens. Yeah, I mean that's like with anything. If you have a... and then loved it after they saw it and were like, "Oh, this this movie's amazing." But I think that initial going to see it did come off of the overwhelming success. Of the force that's awakens. a that's a natural thing because I don't know, though. then then you're going into the last jedi thinking that rogue one was okay this is or be, something no 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 that they yeah. loved rogue one too and then they're going into the last jedi being like they can't miss force awakens and rogue one were so amazing they yeah, can't that do hype anything was real, wrong yeah um but let's pull it back right. to the force awakens because yeah. this conversation is <laughs> not about the last jedi or rogue one um uh, yeah, it's it's one of those movies that I think is going to um, be a go-to for people because I think it has supreme rewatchability as well. It moves a lot and there's a lot of different little paths it takes you on to not make it redundant or feel boring. Like there's the first slab of Force Awakens, there's the second slab, and there's the third slab. It's just there's a lot of stuff and it takes you on this awesome adventure. And I think that really packs a punch with uh, supreme rewatchability. And it just, it still carries that freshness vibe with it that I felt when it first came back in 2015. And when you watch the force awakens, it, you know, no baggage attached to it. It's the starting point, but it's also a reunion. It just carries, it perpetually carries good vibes with it to this day. And I think that's uh, something that will be its legacy. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, of the Disney era, the force awakens is obviously my favorite and i rewatch it all the time it's my go-to um but followed with solo the reason those two are my go-to's is like you said john it's just so easy to watch beginning middle end it leaves you with a good feeling it's so well written because of lawrence kasdan and it's just this movie that there's no thought that goes through my mind when watching the force awakens of oh do you remember when this happened or oh yeah, I remember this person didn't like this or yeah. there's nothing in my head of someone didn't like blank or, oh, you know, this actor wasn't happy about this scene. Like everybody was just so excited to be back doing Star Wars that I think from top to bottom, it was just, there were no, like you said, baggage that went with The Force Awakens. Even even with the actors- um, Watching the trailers and stuff. To, like, mm-hmm. to, to this day, like seeing- Robert Downey Jr. in an interview talking about Marvel. He's still so proud to have been involved with it. And he still considers himself a part of the Marvel family and the who knows, maybe one day thing. They're trying to bring him back, yeah. He's still all about that he is Tony Stark. He's Iron Man. And that's Robert Downey Jr., man. Like, dude's a big star. And I know Iron Man brought him back, so he maybe owes Mm -hmm. it to that. But he's an iconic star. It's doing that. And I, I, it makes me long for the 2015 days when the new cast felt that way about being in Star Wars, which, let's be honest, they, they really don't anymore. So it, it's another one of those things like in Frozen in Time, when you see, if you go back and watch, you know, interviews with Oscar, Daisy and John, or seeing them behind the scenes at Celebration or behind the scenes at some late night show and stuff, there's just this, we're, we, are, we can't believe we're a part of this vibe 
that kind yeah. of started trickling away as the trilogy went on. So I love that mm-hmm. 2015 from the promo standpoint and how the cast and actors were, including Mark, Carrie, and Harrison. Harrison Ford went full all back in with it too. He did all the promo stuff. He could have just done his spot and did his Harrison Ford thing and just left. But he was all in the mix with all the promo stuff, all the games, all the behind the scenes stuff. He was all in on it. And it was just this Especially after total... they dropped a door on him. Uh, yeah, they almost killed him. Yeah. So yeah. you had the original cast, the new cast, and everybody pulling in the same direction behind JJ. And mm-hmm. I just uh, I just think that because of those vibes, we got that on screen and they captured those vibes in their final product. And um, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have um, any scenes that you can see now that we're five years removed that are the iconic scenes like the other movies, the older movies? Is there other iconic scenes to you that stand out like, man, that is now a legendary Star Wars scene? Anything stand out to you guys? Well, Ray grabbing the lightsaber is probably one of the most iconic scenes of all Star Wars for me. Yeah. Um, her handing the lightsaber to Luke. Um, I was gonna say the 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 end sequence, you know, yeah. kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. that's a big one. Ray walking away on the sand with BB-8 following her is like one of those first scenes that we got in trailers and stuff that you were yeah. like, "What does this mean?" Right. Um. And then, like you said, the Millennium Falcon flipping over is like one of those scenes that always sticks with me. Yeah. I The ending to me is my, I think, to this day, might be my favorite Star Wars movie ending. Um, because I love the Jedi Step song by John Williams. And I just remember when I first watched it, and that's where I keep trying to go back to, is like seeing everything that Ray went through through this whole journey, and now she's taking that walk to climb up to to, to her destiny. It's pretty moving because you mm-hmm. have this person who came from literally absolutely nothing, like selling junk just to eat, and then she gets to this point where she's ascending literally these steps to get to the most iconic hero in film history for us, us Star Wars mm-hmm. fans, and that music is just so powerful in the location the skellig michael that they actually went there and did that uh i i i was shocked because i was like you know when you have and i think i've used this analogy before when you have like a an iconic band uh paul mccartney or aerosmith or somebody and they're like yeah we're putting out a new album it's like all right well i'm glad you're still around mm-hmm. and you're still making music but nothing's going to be toys in the attic or you know uh, abbey road and then they do it, though, with The Force Awakens. Like, Star Wars put out one of its best movies ever 35 years later or whatever, 38 years mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. And there there it was. And it, it, to me, it's best ending. So um, I it, it's a lot to hang on with this movie. It could have been one of those just, hey, we're putting out a Star Wars movie and it'll be good enough. But I think this one really holds up, up towards the top. Um, iconic scenes, too. Uh, the Death of Han Solo, I think, is a big one. Yes. Still rough. Yeah. It still hurts. It definitely still hurts. Um, and the chewy thing is what makes me hurt more than <laughs> that you ruined it for me, John. I can never look at that scene ever again. <laughs> we'll, um, meet right, well, yeah, we'll meet back here. Yeah. Detonator. Last yeah. thing he ever says. Um, the Ray introduction, I feel, is my favorite introduction of a character in all of Star Wars. Oh, going from, down the hill like, and stuff? Yeah, when she opens up the thing and she's looking, she's got a mask on, you don't know who it is, kind of going down the rope. Then she's sliding down, her theme comes in. What mm. Her theme is one of the best themes in Star Wars. Yeah, uh, it took me a while to to like it, I'll be honest. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now I That's do. So great. Yeah. I think uh, the, the sled is good there, but I think one of the bigger things to me is, is her um, going outside, drinking the water, and then they yeah. cut to the wide, and she's like a dot next to the back of that... that um, <sighs> superstar destroyer Destroyer. yeah um that's that's huge (laughs) um (laughs) i was also thinking uh one scene that really sticks out to me and i think it's because it's it's uh, everybody went into the movie and they were super excited right and they get in and it's the first scene and they're watching um poe fire that blaster at kylo ren and he stops it oh yeah when they're dragging him and this camera passes by the the laser um I think I think it's very possible there wasn't a person alive that thought that was dumb. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember being in the theater and people going, Oh, I know we had never seen it done before. Yes. Yeah. And I think that was that was what it was, is it was this 
this new understanding of the force and how we're, we're getting ready to be open to a whole new world of people who are using the force in ways that we've never seen before. And it was just, it's like, it's iconic in its own yeah. little bit, you know, in its own way. Um, uh, Cause I think everybody would revisit that scene and be like, Hey, I mean, like, say what you will about the rest of this movie or the rest of the Disney, whatever. That was cool. Yeah. I, just, I think I feel like that that's how and it goes. the, uh, you just made me think of, because that was a moment that people re- reacted in the audience that I'm just now remembering. Yeah. Uh, the big reaction was when Ray's like, that one's garbage. And then oh, it pans yeah. over and it plays uh, the music and you see the Millennium Falcon like all run down. People cheered in yeah. the theater when that came on screen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember that. Yep. Because yeah, I don't think my brain went there when she's like, "That one's garbage." I was like, "Oh well." I'm like, "Wait a minute." Then I see it. I'm like, "Oh, yeah. And even if you were fast enough to be like, "Oh, I bet it's gonna be it," like it happens so quick in it the does. theater. Like you don't have enough time over, to lean yeah. over to your friend to call it unless you'd already seen the movie, you know, or something. But that's so good. Another thing about this movie that I think. um is a touching aspect is what it did for Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, particularly because Mm -hmm. they were both kind of on the outs. Um, They weren't doing the fan circuit stuff really anymore. They had both kind of, I don't want to say the word let themselves go because it's harsh to say, but they weren't doing well health wise. They didn't look good. And, you know, there were photos of Mark Hamill, like rummaging through ashtrays for used cigarette butts on the street, like weird Weird stuff like that. And Carrie Fisher, obviously, we know she had her serious issues. But something about this movie brought them back in a big way. And they both like trained hard for it. And they got in shape. And they felt good about it. And they were happy to return. And it was almost like, a, in a weird way, a redemption for both of them. Because mm-hmm. for so long, they were just looked at as this novelty act. Like... Hey, there's Mark the Hamill of, from yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. And he's like, hi, I'm Mark Hamill from Star Wars. And, you know, he obviously also had a career in voice acting and stuff. It sounds like a Simpsons like cameo. Yeah, Big Bang and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was like, oh, there's the bow. He's on that sitcom. Oh, yes, yeah, Star Wars, great. They came back, and even though Mark Hamill wasn't in a lot of this movie, it was a huge scene. He was mm-hmm. the MacGuffin of the movie. And Carrie came back and, and did a great job, and it was good to see her back in the mix. And even though we lost her soon thereafter... Uh, she was able to come back and appear in these three Star Wars movies and act in two of them. And I think that like this movie was a huge deal for them. And you saw how well JJ wanted to treat them and respect them and honor them and how the new cast kind of like looked at them as like, wow, these icons. And you see Harrison mm-hmm. Ford signing Boyega's Stormtrooper and <laughs> yeah. Carrie dancing with all of them and kind of melding those two generations, almost like letting all the fans know like, it's okay. Like, they're cool. They're with us now. And mm-hmm. that whole handing of the baton thing. So, I mean, that aspect of it too, like from Mark and Carrie, I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that, but I think that gets overlooked because they kind of came back and it almost made people feel like they never went away, but they did. They did for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just love this movie. I could keep talking about this forever. Well, <laughs> well, maybe that's where we take a little bit of a turn. Um, Cause I don't, I, I mean, it's not that I don't want it to be all positive or whatever, but, Remember when coming out of this movie, there were critiques and we talked a little bit about the new hope thing, but was there anything that you guys felt like have sat with you over time that you're like, I think this would have been a a different or possibly even a better movie in my opinion, if, if X happened, anything that sticks out, they got rid of the helicopter shot at the end. (laughs) Yeah, you don't, you really do not like that. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good (laughs) one. That is the only, only issue I have with the movie. Um, I agree with you that I'm fine with it, but I I think that they could have had a, like, if it was a different shot, I would have been like, oh yeah, that's better. (laughs) You know what I mean? It just ended on them zooming on Mark Hamill and then it could have ended there. I don't know why they did this like big elaborate. (sighs) (laughs) I I think they could have, I think they could have shot the Island almost last Jedi style and like backed out of it. And then that be the thing, not where you see them, but like the whole Island. And it would have been like, Oh shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know that I have anything I would necessarily change without looking at it from the spectrum of the all the full three movies set there, but maybe more involvement from R2 and 3PO where there were again, more of just kind of like cameo Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Um, I think, they could have found a way to get them involved more and 
um, had them more part of the story, like the original trilogy. But that's a nitpick, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember one of the biggest criticisms coming out of the movie was the fact that Chewie and Leia didn't hug when after Han died, and he walked right by her. And yeah. oh, oh, simpler times when that was one of the bigger <laughs> complaints about a Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, the two, the two for me is I remember thinking there were two things that were definitely going to happen, and neither one of them happened, and I was surprised. And I still stand to this day that I feel like that might have been kind of a, a weird thing. Um, the first one was that uh, Captain Phasma never took off her helmet, and that has become part of her character now. But I feel like it was kind of a mistake. Um, I feel like one of the criticisms of the movie was underutilization of the character. And I was kind of defensive of it at the time. I was like, yeah, but not every character is like a full fledged thing or anything like that. But I do think like, even if you had all the exact same scenes, you could have maybe changed a couple lines. You could have maybe, um, you know, just handled it just slightly differently in which case it would have, um, changed our perception of that character because I mean, not it's not a last jedi thing either but like once we got into last jedi we're like all right now it's gonna get crazy and it's still gonna yeah, get crazy right. we, we we were hoping that force awakens was just the setup uh but it turns out that it's like that's kind of the prime of that character in a way and so it's it feels kind of like i wish we would have got a little bit more uh going on there especially with the the helmet like you have this actress who's great and everybody loves her let her take yeah. her helmet off um, the only yeah. other thing is I, I was very certain Starkiller base was not going to get blown up and that it was going to be a continual threat through the trilogy. Um, I thought they learned their lessons from the first two movies. We blew up the first Death Star and that's fair. They brought that's in fair. the third one. And in both both movies so far, they were like, oh, there's Death Bar. Get her better go blow it up. And they just go in and blow it up. And I thought, nah, man, this is different. It's a planet. It's a big, crazy thing. And they're going to draw this thing out. And the fact that they blew it up at the end, I was like, okay. <laughs> but I'm kind of bummed because I wanted it to be a legitimate threat. I almost wanted like that to be Exegol. Like when yeah. they when they finally, the final movie, they have to go there. They have to land there. They're on, they're fighting it. And then that whole thing explodes and it's this big, crazy thing. Um, yeah. But it didn't happen. And they just kind of blew it up in the first movie. And that it's... was it. Starkiller base. Boom. Done. You know how you get really defensive of Rogue One, James? I'm feeling that right now. The boiling rage I'm feeling as you critique this movie. Yeah, I, <laughs> right. I, and I mean, that's well, the thing is like, I, I'm i I'm very much like The Force Awakens is great. In fact, it's like one of my of favorites. Of course, yeah. I'm just joking because I, I know that you're like, well, the reason they did this is, and yeah. like in my head, I'm like arguing you, but I'm like trying to be polite and listen to you. Well, yeah, I mean, we're we're up against time, and I feel like we just scratched the surface on this thing. But it's definitely one of those movies I can't wait till my son and my daughter, when she's old enough, both of them are old enough where I could show this to them. I'm gonna show them the original trilogy first. I'm gonna wait 16 years, show them the prequel trilogy, and then I'm gonna wait 30 years <laughs> and show them the sequel trilogy. So they feel it the exact same way that we all did. But no, it's a, it's a great movie. We'll have to revisit it because I feel like we just started talking about it, but we are up on time. So um, you're gonna show them more to do here. <laughs> you're gonna show them The Force Awakens 42 years from now. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be on, on my deathbed like. This is a movie called The Force Awakens. Check it out. They're like, we know. We watched it like 40 years ago. Um, all right. So now um let you know, let us know your memories about The Force Awakens in the comments, of course. And uh if you retweet this episode, quote tweet with something about TFA. But now we're gonna send it uh, to hear from you and your tweets uh in resistance transmissions. All right, guys, it's time for resistance transmissions. <laughs> So the way that this works is every week, John puts up a crazy, wacky situation and you guys give your answers. So this week we had Maz Kanata is holding the grand reopening of a rebuilt Maz's castle. Oh, that would be so exciting. Uh, what is something new or different about her cantina or restaurant? Be clever and have fun. It can be people, the look, menu items, anything anything all i think about is biodome any time someone says anything and they're shaving Holy they're shaving cow. the dog that's what i, I think, think of uh, anchorman where she goes anything on the teleprompter anything <laughs> i think of the movie say anything with john cusack really well that's lame it's pretty lame in your eyes <laughs> right. in, in your eyes it's lame uh 
All right. I am ignoring that. Uh, first up is Adam Odal at Odal Adam. Hey, That's Adam. A Peter Adam Gabriel said, reference. I got it. I was right. moving on. Uh, Adam said, <laughs> there is no rebuild of Maz's castle because no lender is giving her a loan now since she is insurable given her recent history. Oh, uninsurable. Uninsurable. I don't that know why, Adam. man. That thing was, was up for a thousand years. Yeah, it's pretty mm. good. Pretty good uh, track record for track running record, a business. Yeah. Next is Mark Newbold. Hey, Mark, at prefect underscore timing. Mark said, a soda machine that sells Diet Mountain Zuvio and Snoka Cola. <laughs> well done. Next is Rez um, at Real Rez Lou Dub. Uh, Rez, what's up, Rez? Said, everything is the same, but Chewy gets the hole upstairs. <laughs> I wonder what for. Well, he probably needs somewhere to live now that basically everyone he knows is dead. Yeah. Uh, Okay, next is Neil. Yeah, at Neil Shaw. Hey, Neil. Neil said, the booth where Han Solo and Chewie sat when they took a pit stop on their way to see Jabba for a job in Solo 2. You know the scene I'm talking about. Hashtag make <laughs> Solo 2 happen. Keep saying it, my man. <laughs> Keep spreading that word. Mm-hmm. Next, is, next is Mark at the kind of vacants. At duh underscore kind underscore awakens. Mark said, Maz's new program motivates Jedi to read by rewarding their reading accomplishments with praise, recognitions, and pizza. If you read one of the sacred Jedi texts, uh, Maz will give you a free personal pan pizza. It's that easy. Wow. <laughs> and he has an image of a pizza with book it. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like uh, like one of those Pizza Hut it is it has a it has a pizza hut logo because that was that was a thing a real thing yeah next is jamie g at roxy peanut hey jamie jamie said maz started the chewy challenge one hour to eat a two pound bantha burger winner gets a t-shirt certificate and their name on the wall of fame so far the only one to finish the challenge under time has been babu frick wow (laughs) a two pound bantha burger that's physically impossible come on <laughs> next is trevor at spin up the ftl hey trevor trevor said she'll definitely install an air defense system that'd be smart yeah practical yeah next is joey sack at joey sack hey joey joey said she put in a starbucks where she used to keep the skywalker lightsaber why a good question for another time winking <laughs> face with tongue hashtag <laughs> transmit that that immediately takes me to to uh uh austin powers too i love that whole like they invested (laughs) in starbucks thing oh yeah and they're all they all have coffee they're talking about ways to take over the world and he's like he's kind of like alluding like kind of in a way we sort of have we put a lot of money that that wasn't part three that was part two that was two yeah i think Mm. pretty sure i gotta rewatch that one yeah because that's the one where he went from um Oh no! All right. Was that next is one? <laughs> next is Stina is a shiny special one at Stina Pag, and she wrote foosball. <laughs> That's Stina, it. Stina plays it simple. That's all. Just, Just ne- all she needs is a foosball table, and she's good. And last but not least is Andrew Staley at Deuce underscore Staley. Hey Andrew, how's it going? Uh, Andrew wrote new menu item in honor of Han. Solo kebabs. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh, uh, your favorite meat speared right through the middle and cooked to perfection. Oh. So good, you'll fall over sideways. Andrew Staley bringing the spice oh, in, in 2021, the year of our Lord. Holy cow. Guys, if you want to be on the show, make sure to follow us on Twitter at RBATSWNN and uh, look for the situation. Back to you, John. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. Make sure you do subscribe to the show on your preferred audio platform or right here on YouTube. Uh, Tell a friend about it. If you know someone who likes Star Wars, they may not know about Star Wars podcasts, so share us with them. That's how we grow. We appreciate it very much. Go to StarWarsNewsNet.com for all of your Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. Uh, This Thursday, we have a special episode for you. You probably heard us announce it for last week, but we had some delays 
So uh, we are going to be putting out an episode with uh, Hal Hickel, the animation director of ILM. We had an amazing conversation with Hal, so we look forward to to, uh, sharing that with you. Can't wait to get that out to you. Uh, You guys can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and writing and editing at StarWarsNewsNet.com and my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies, on podcast platforms. We recently did Pulp Fiction, so go check us out talking about other stuff beyond Star Wars. Uh, Mondays is James Bainey. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Myra Trunks and on this channel doing book discussions. If you've read any of the new High Republic stuff, um, go over and, and check out our spoiler discussions, reviews and uh, descriptions on what happened. Yes, uh, Lacey. People can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Lacey Gillerin. And this past week, I got a chance to sit down with the Star Wars Hasbro team and talk about what's going on with their 50th anniversary Lucasfilm line, as well as some hints of what's to come. So check that out on the YouTube channel. Nice. And uh, yes, so we hope everyone enjoys their week. We'll be back with you on Thursday morning with another episode right here on TRB. That stands for the Resistance Broadcast. See you around, kids.